Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to another episode of Bernie's Bums. With always, with me always, I got Ryan. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing all right. We Hanging got new- in there. Yeah, we got news that baseball might be coming back, so that's good. Yeah, uh, we're talking maybe May potentially. If- I've been I've been seeing a lot of theories. I've seen theories that they're going to change the divisions. I've seen theories that they're going to play in Japan. I've seen theories that they're only going to play in Arizona and Florida. I have not heard the Japan one. Oh, what? yeah. So I what I saw this morning from Buster Only was that Japan teams would play at night and the MLB, play, MLB teams would play during the day. That's a new one. I haven't heard that one. I've heard a lot about Arizona and how it would just be like Grapefruit League and the Cactus League, and then there'd be the Universal DH, which would be interesting. But I don't know, man. This is weird. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's, it's crazy to think that we've gotten to this point, but would you be upset if baseball returned in May, but there'd be no fans? Like, that's the thing. Like, at the beginning of this whole thing, I was like, we can't play games without fans. Like, that's stupid. But then now that we're like, I don't know, like three weeks in without baseball around-ish, I'm like, I, I don't care if there's no fans. I just want to see a baseball game at this point. So see, I think... I don't care if there's no fans, but you hear it so often where players say they feed off fans energy. Do you think players would perform the same or do you think you would see a dip in certain people's performance? I don't know. I think it depends. Like you hear a lot of that once, especially from the Brewers when it comes down to like September and into the playoffs, Um, just the loudness of the crowd. But I think there is, like you talk about the home field advantage and, you know, players talk about it all the time in Miller Park when the roof is closed and how loud it can get in there. So I think there is some advantage to that, but I don't think – I don't know. I think if you're a good baseball player, you're a good baseball player. Yeah, maybe it'll bring them back to their high school days where they had nobody in the stands and they were still playing really well. <laughs> where, like, nobody goes to high school baseball games ever. Yeah, but it's seriously interesting to see how these players would perform. It, maybe they're just itching for games to be back so they wouldn't care. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of players – not only in players, but I think that's where a lot of fans are at too is just, like, I just want to see a baseball game because it'd be the only thing going on. I mean, besides the draft, the NFL draft, which that'll be interesting. But I think it like we like nobody has anything else to do except like watch endless amounts of Netflix and TV. So I think (laughs) bringing back a baseball game every day for three hours like that would be ideal. I do think baseball will be the first sport back. Yeah, I would agree. And I think just based off like the NBA I don't even know how that's gonna work out like I look at the position they're in and it's like because they're playing all inside it's not like you're playing outside I don't know I don't know how that's gonna work and their game is a little bit more physical it's a little bit more hands-on as in baseball you don't have to touch an opposing player directly no not at all and I think yeah that's a big difference you know, you put gloves on the umpires for baseballs. And I know the NBA is looking into a, a fast testing uh, service, and I'm sure the MLB would adopt that as well. And I really think that we could get baseball at the end of May. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really pushing for it. Like, I just want to see a baseball game. <laughs> and they've been talking about going to the end of May, but I haven't seen anything about a shortened season. So the, I, what I've seen is they're going to start in the end of May and then they're going to go until November. Man, we're going to be playing the World Series at Thanksgiving. Well, I, I've seen that 
because of November, obviously it's cold. They're going to look for an indoor stadium, which Miller Park would be a great stadium for that. <laughs> Shout out to Miller Park. That would be cool to see two teams that weren't the Brewers playing a World Series in Milwaukee. Oh, uh, you know how much that would hurt though if it wasn't us. I like, forget. wouldn't that like kill you inside a little bit knowing little that a World bit. Series is being played? A little I bit, don't but know. you know my views on ever seeing a Brewer World Series. Yeah. Okay. Let's not break my heart more. That's the closest the Brewers are able to get to a World Series. Oh my god, that hurts. I have faith. I think it was a few years ago. There was an, there was like a snowout game. It was in Cleveland, and I remember it was Cleveland versus another team, and they played in Miller Park. I was super young, and I actually went to that game. Really? Yeah, it I was. I haven't heard of that one. I would have to look it up because I can guarantee you I watched the Indians play the Brewer, not the Brewers. I saw the Indians play a different team in Miller Park, or they played the Brewers at Miller Park, and it was supposed to be an away game or something like that. I would believe the latter because like that happened a couple years ago with Miami when they had um, the hurricane down there. I think where they just switched the series up to Milwaukee, and then Mar- the Marlins got like most of the revenue or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm probably just talking out of my ass. <laughs> Who knows? I think we're all a little bit deprived at this point. So what do we got for today? I, I haven't really looked at the template. I'm kind of relying on you. Well, I figured with, you know, the bright idea of that baseball could be back soon and maybe a great time to talk about potential lineups for the Brewers. Because um, at this point, let's just talk baseball uh, especially we could be seeing a baseball game in May. So uh, basically we're just going to talk about like potential lineups and give our um, possibly everyday lineup. And we're just going to talk about that. We're probably going to end up fighting, but that's all right. So when you say that, I am going to go with my best case scenario lineup, meaning all players are healthy. And maybe this is like a going towards the playoffs type of run. This is what I want to see the Brewers look like and that's what I would agree because I think I was thinking about this earlier as I was trying to build a lineup and I was like I don't think the Brewers have ever gone five days straight with the same lineup like I think it's impossible just because of how we play things around between a righty and lefty and the type of pitches and then giving days off like it just I don't think we've gone five days straight with the same lineup exactly so that's why I'm going best case scenario I would agree that's I think where mine is as well so do you want to hear mine yeah, go ahead. All right. My leadoff hitter playing center field. Until he proves he can't be a leadoff hitter, I put Lorenzo Kane down. All right. I think, but a goodie. I think he gives us our best shot as a leadoff hitter. I I have mixed feelings on how I think Kane is going to play this season, but as of right now, he's my leadoff guy. Well, speaking of him, I actually just read a good article on him like all of an hour ago and it was talking about how last year wasn't your typical like old guy not playing as well season like the stats that were down weren't your typical like quote-unquote regression stats and they're basically saying how he still hit the ball hard Um, his strikeouts were still at a pretty average rate a little higher than him usual but at an average rate so how like last year could have definitely been just a fluke season. And I think he was, he bad a lot of injuries. So I think this year we may see 2018 Kane back. So it was more so that he was just unlucky than bad. I would. Yeah. I think that was the case. 
All right. So for me, best case scenario, batting second, playing third base is Brock Holt. Wow. I think he's the prototypical, you know, he's going to be that guy that just gets on base. And as of right now, I think he's our best option at third base. Okay. All right. Batting third, playing right field, where I think he belongs is Christian Yelich. So you didn't move him to left field like what the Brewers said they were going to do? I thought about it. I figured he's going to play some right field, some left field. I just put him as right because why not? All right. It'll be interchangeable, I think, once the season comes. He'll play, I would say, he's probably going to play about 60 games in right field and the rest in left field. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. So my fourth hitter, batting cleanup, left fielder, right fielder, however you want to look at it, is Avacio Garcia. All right. Wow, this is so different than mine. <laughs> batting, batting fifth, who I think is just going to be incredible this season. I seriously see a breakout year coming. Is If he didn't have his breakout year last year, and this year is going to be much better, is Keston Hira. Wow, I was just about to say, you didn't consider last year as a breakout season. That's, that's what I mean. I, <laughs> I consider last year a breakout season, but I seriously think he's going to one-up what he did last year. I like I have no doubt about it. He's just so good. The dude can hit better than I have seen in since Christian Yelich. <laughs> but <laughs> but if you put him in the five spot, he'll get a lot of chances to hit get a lot of RBIs. He'll be in a very good position to drive runners in. And batting sixth, right after Hira, I have our catcher, Omar Narvaez. All right. Batting seventh, who I think is a very good seven hitter. I think we're lucky to have him in that position as our first baseman, Ryan Braun. <laughs> I don't think he's ever hit seventh in his life. But would you argue that he's better hitter than any of those other players? It, it depends. Like, okay, I'll give it to you right now. Like, he has the last couple seasons, he has been deemed to be unlucky. Like, he has still hit the ball hard, and I'll agree. Like, he wasn't like he was when he was like, 27 years old granted like he's age but he still hits the ball hard so it depends like if you're looking from like a hitting perspective and like consistency and hitting the ball hard I think he's right up there so here's the thing I was gonna put him second where Brock Holt was and kind of interchange those two but with guys like Evacio Garcia, Keston Hira, Omar Narvaez batting in front of him Braun has an opportunity at the bottom of the lineup to drive in a lot of runs Many teams don't have that luxury in the seventh spot. All right. Uh, batting eighth, who I think our shortstop should be, is Luis Urias. I would agree. And then obviously ninth is whoever's pitching. Yeah, I mean, that's a good lineup. It's definitely different than mine. I honestly, it makes sense. With Kane and Holt, I think the lineup is actually weaker at the top than I think it is at the bottom. Really? Um, it it depends – Like. I like I see a lineup like you start off the game and when I look at a lineup like I want to like give it a punch like I want to punch the pitcher in the gut right away so I like I set up my lineup like best case scenario that if these guys get on base that it'll gradually like you can get one to two runs in the first inning see the way I did it was I want my first and second hitters in the first inning obviously you want them to get on base but I think with Kane and Holt, you have two smart hitters who can work the pitcher and get them up to 20, 25 pitches right away in the first inning. Yeah, and that and that's yeah, that's the same logic that I had too. So we will be moving on to mine. And my first two hitters are very similar. They're just switched around. So I have Brock Holt starting out at third base. 
um, and Lorenzo Cain. Really, I think at center field, I think they can be interchangeable. It's just on how you see things. Um, I do like Lorenzo Cain in the second spot just because um, he doesn't hit a lot of ground balls, and therefore the double play ball isn't really um, going to be a chance, really. That was one thing about Christian Yelich hitting second so often in the past couple of seasons. It drove me crazy because his ground ball rate, just being a lefty, um, is typically a little bit higher. So if Lorenzo Cain would get on base, the amount of times that uh, Christian Yelich would hit into a ground ball double play when he was um, in a little bit of a rut at the plate. I mean, a rut being still really good, but um, there is still the double play ball. So I think um, putting Lorenzo Cain in second, they can really be interchangeable, but that's how I have it set up. And then batting third, I have your left fielder or right fielder, wherever you want to go, Christian Yelich. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. It puts him in a really good spot. Um, not only to drive in runs if the two guys ahead of him get on base, but also he's super smart at the plate. And I think that's another thing why I like Lorenzo Cain second is how smart he is at the plate. And uh, pitchers are going to be really tough against him knowing that Christian Yelich is coming up to try to get an out. So I think with Lorenzo Cain's smartness at the plate, it just makes sense uh, to have a really good eye at the plate and suck it. I almost wanted to put Yelich in my cleanup spot, but then I thought, I was like, I want Yelich to see that pitcher right away in the first inning. I want that pitcher to sweat a little bit, having to get Yelich out right away in the first inning. Yeah, and exactly. And I think, I don't know, it. yeah, like the first inning to kind of like build up that pitch count a little bit, I think can be so important um, in the pitcher's performance in the innings coming up. And then my cleanup hitter is not your prototypical, like, Prince Fielder or Eric Thames. Um, it's the little second baseman, <laughs> Keston Hira. So essentially the same logic I had for him batting uh, Which five. I kind of find funny because, I don't know, I like having kind of almost your three pure hard-hitting guys kind of in that three, four, five spot just because I think it makes sense that if your first two guys are getting on base, you know the next three hitters um, are going to hit the ball hard and put it in play and give uh, the Brewers, in this case, an optimal chance to score runs. The thing about Hira is he doesn't look like the prototypical cleanup hitter, but he can still hit 30 home runs in a season. Oh, easily. If he, w- if he, w- if he were to go at the rate that he was going last year, I have no doubt that he can hit 30 to 35 homers this season, especially playing well, I guess I can't say if we're going to be playing in Miller Park, but yeah, I really can't now. For a hitter like Hira, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I would agree. I think I expect him to hit 30 to 35 homers this season. And then hitting number five is our first baseman, Ryan Braun. You just couldn't help. I like, I put it down because like what I said before, I like to have the three, four, five hitter, kind of your hard hitting guys. And Ryan Braun still hits the ball so hard. And that's something that if you're as a pure hitter as he is, it's something you really never lose. So I do like the idea, and like I said earlier, he's just been deemed unlucky the last couple of seasons where he's just hit very hard line drives into fielder's gloves. But wouldn't and you so, agree that Avacio Garcia, by the looks of the numbers, is a better hitter and is better at getting on base and driving in runs? Well, I mean, he's batting number six, so. <laughs> I See, I do think they should be turned around, though, because a lot of times the five hitter is up with two outs or – you know, is in a good spot for a double play. And I think Ryan Braun grounds out into a lot of double plays. Yeah, but also, like, you talked about 
two out. And I, I don't have the numbers pulled up. I wish I would have, but I believe he is a very good two out hitter. Like, like you just like, I think of clutch with him. Like he's had a lot of clutch at bats um, in his career and within the last couple of seasons as well. He is one to be like, he is my pick. If you were to put him in a two out situation, he is my pick to be up in the order just because I think. Not Christian Yelich? No, I think Ryan Braun kind of has that like clutch gene a little bit. So does Yelich. Don't, don't do that. Okay. I'm sorry. I love Christian Yelich as much as the next person, but his performance in the playoffs was not very good. So here's the thing too, going back to Garcia is I see Garcia being a hitter that hits between 275 and 290. And I see Braun this season kind of regressing and hitting in that 250 to 270 range. Well, you know what I'm going to tell you? I don't care because I hate batting average and it tells you nothing. Hmm. Debatable. It's not up for debate. It's one of the dumbest stats out there. How? And I, because it doesn't bring into the fact anything else about the player. It just tells you how many times they put the ball in play and it missed the fielder's glove. Good. That's That's what I want. That generates runs. It gets base runners and it generates runs. Yeah, but exactly what you said. It gets base runners. I don't care. A single, a walk is just as good as a single. I don't care how the hell you're getting on base as long as you're getting on base. I don't care how you do it. So last season, Garcia had an on-base percentage. Is that the one you want to look at? I mean, it's not my favorite, but go ahead. Garcia had an on-base percentage of 332, while Ryan Braun, let me pull it up. I just don't see how you – if I had a seven players that hit 330 batting average, I would take that over power guys any day just because they're going to get on base more and they're going to generate runs. Yeah, but that's a luck stat. Like. <laughs> Did you know what I was going to say? You're a luck stat. <laughs> All right. I'll be honest. Ryan Braun did have a better on base percentage last season. What did I tell you? But he's going to be 36. He's going to. It doesn't matter. Yeah, as long gonna, as he's. He's going to fall <laughs> off at some point and it's going to be this season. I predicted it being last season. He proved me wrong and it's going to be this season. Like, I, I get it. He's 36. Like the man's getting up there. But at the same time. He like he still has an eye at the plate. Like nothing from a fundamental perspective really changes once you get older. Maybe a little bit of your power, and we've seen that. Um, some of his power is diminished, and a little bit of maybe your quote unquote slug percentage. But he's still like got the raw hitting talent. He's still got a decent eye at the plate, and yeah, he doesn't run as fast as he used to. Granted, he's never really been outstanding with speed. But he's still, like, a great option. All right. So which one are we at now? Your number six? Yeah. So number six, I have Avesio Garcia. We've talked a lot about him. I really do think he's a solid hitter. He was a great pickup this offseason. Very good number six hitter. If you have him number six, you're in good shape. Yeah, I would agree. Like, if you – yeah, like, you look at it, like, um, I think – what's his face? Our new – Andy Haynes was talking last year about how – he really wants the Brewers lineup to be a continuous circle where the pitcher never gets a rest uh, throughout the lineup where it's a constant like battle, every hitter that comes up. So I think like you said it best, if Avesil Garcia is your sixth hitter, you know, the five guys above him are going to be really good. So earlier you said that Yelich batted second a lot the past couple seasons, which he did. Could you see the Brewers 
doing that with Ryan Braun or Aviso Garcia, putting those two in the second spot is as opposed to putting them lower in the order? Um, I don't think Ryan Braun, but I'd love to see Aviso Garcia run just because I like the second spot to have a little bit of speed. Uh, just based off of if you get a walker single, uh, being able to steal second and turn it into a double, I, I'm a big fan of that idea and getting guys in scoring position. Um, I mean, Ryan Braun can steal bases, but again, he's not the fastest on the team. And I know Garcia, um, he looks uh, he's a lot faster than he looks, but I'm not sure what his uh, sprint speed ranks within the MLB. Yeah, I couldn't tell you that. I know he's decently fast. Yeah, I've heard it's he's very deceivingly fast. Hold on. Let's So while you look that up, I'm I'm assuming your seventh hitter is Narvaez. Yes. The thing about Narvaez is not a lot of people are talking about him. I would completely agree. The Actually, thing is a lot whoa. of what? His sprint speed, according to baseball or baseball savant, one of my favorite websites, is in the great category within the MLB. All right, so he could be a two-hitter. Yeah, I mean, why not? But Yeah, I could see him at two. So we'll talk about Narvaez now. He is not being talked about enough. A lot of people, all they're talking about is how Grandal is gone, and obviously Grandal is a great player, but they're not talking about how we replaced him. We replaced him with a cheaper option who can produce, I would say, just as well at the plate and kind of has the same defensive tendencies as Grandal did. Yeah, people need to get over the Grandal thing. Like... I don't get how people expected him when we signed him for one year last year. I don't get why people were expecting us to be like, oh, he's going to be like a five-year player with the Brewers. No, he was a rental. He was a one-year guy so we could find somebody else. That was all he is. He was good for us. Don't get me wrong. but Oh, I think he was great. Narvaez is a better long-term option for us, and he produces offensively better than most catchers in the league. And I would agree. And he's also fitting the gap for uh, one of the Brewers' prospects, Peyton Henry, who seems to have a very bright future. So I think he's kind of filling that gap until Henry comes up. And I hope he continues to produce well in the minors because I think he has a bright future. And the big knock on Narvaez is he's not very good defensively. But if you okay, remember... Yeah, like Grandal was. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> if you remember, Grandal was not. And it didn't seem to be too big of a problem for the Brewers last year. And that's one thing, like, people were, like, on, all on his, like, framing. And, okay, I get it. You may steal a couple of pitches on the edges. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And meanwhile, a ball was in the ground, and he couldn't block it for the life of him. That drove me crazy. Yeah, I don't know how much of an upgrade or downgrade Narvaez is defensively from Grindall, but I know offensively we're not losing as much as people think. Yeah, and I think he can throw, too, which is also something Grindall struggle that and then who's your eight hitter um I have Luis Urias and I have some logic behind it I was looking into him a little bit and he for being a young like you you think of your young shortstop and I think like the stereotype for this um age of baseball is like that free swinging like swings out of his pants like doesn't have any control um in the batter's box and he is the complete opposite like he walks a crap ton, like 10% walk rate for a guy um, that stereotypically isn't, you know, your regular shortstop. Like he walks a ton. His on-base percentage last year 
was 329 and his weighted on base average was 294, which is really good. Um, I think for a solid shortstop and like, I've always said this, as long as we have a good defensive shortstop, I think it makes up for some offense that he lacks. And it's very, very, very hard to find a really good hitting shortstop. Like there's a couple in the game and you have to develop them because once a team has them, they're never going to get rid of them. Yeah. I think speaking of Urias, I, I do believe the odd man out here that we haven't talked about is Orlando Arcia because of the 50 platoon options we have in the middle infield this season. Do you see Arcia being a trade target for other teams? I don't know. Like I, like I love Arcia. How like, desperate, I, how desperate would you have to be to trade for Arcia? Because whatever teams have at shortstop, Arcia probably isn't much of an upgrade. Yeah, I would agree. And and I really like the one thing I love about him is his defense and I'll forever love him for it. And um, especially as much as the Brewers shift, uh, we're like the most, we shift the most, I think in all of the MLB last year, like he is really the center of the defense. And the, the thing about his defense, people love his defense, but if you look at the advanced numbers, yeah, he makes great plays, but he's just above average. He's not what a lot of people think he is which is kind of what bothers me about Arcia because that's what keeps him on the field. And that's the argument to keep him over Urias. But I don't think his defense at an everyday, every single play level is as good as people think. See, and that's where I struggle because I, I actually hate all of the defensive metrics that are out there right now. I don't really think many of them are very valid. I don't like looking at them. Um, and what I do look at though, is like, when I think of Arcia, like I just think of his arm and how much he's able to bring, like you've, we've all seen the throws where he like throws from third base off of his knees to like a perfect throw to first base. And it's like, how do you do that? Like, I just, I love him for that because you can put him anywhere in the infield and he has an incredible range. Um, you know, he's pretty much going to get anything that's in a like five foot vicinity of him. I don't know. I like him for his defense for sure. I feel like he's that shortstop. He makes great plays that he's not supposed to make, but then I'll see him bobble a ball that's right to him. And I hate that more than anything. See, and I think too, like I can, like I think a lot of Lorenzo Cain because I don't think Lorenzo Cain gets as much hype as he should for his defense just because like he doesn't make the highlight reel that often. But if you think about it, he's making these catches that. His his range is outstanding it's like Carlos Gomez range he is perhaps has the best range in the league and that's the thing like he never makes the highlight reels because he makes catches that a normal player would have to die for look so incredibly easy where he just like takes a jog up and catches it where like some other center fielder is having to die for the only center fielder that I think competes with Kane for defense is when he's healthy on the twins Byron Buxton yeah I could see that but man Lorenzo Kane he can like well, like we said, like his range is incredible. Well, he's got one gold glove. He should have three. God, that drives me nuts. And it's so stupid because we're complaining about an award, but he should get the recognition he deserves. I think he does. I think that's what last year was. But, you know, I think last year he was a great defender. Don't get me wrong, but it was a little bit of sympathy because he should have won it a few years back. You know, he yeah. should have been a two, three-time winner, but instead he's going to only be a one-time winner. Who knows? Maybe this year he'll win. I have faith in him. If he stays on the field. Yeah. 
if I know he's he healthy. Str- he struggled with injuries last year, so that kind of worries me, especially with a guy getting a little bit older. He had so many injuries last year, it's not even funny. Well, that's what I get a little bit worried about with Kane and Braun is these guys are very injury prone and they're gonna be they're supposed to be key pieces of our lineup and if they're not on the field, we're gonna struggle a little bit. And I think it's funny because Lorenzo Kane talked about it um, at the start of spring training and how like I don't think people understand how stubborn he is. Um, like, he is so incredibly stubborn. It's not even funny. Like, if Counts doesn't, like, put him in the initial lineup card, like, he'll march down to his office and complain to him about, I'm fine to play. I don't feel anything. Like, put me in the lineup, man. Like, he will fight for his lineup spot. And I think this year is the first year where he said, if Counts says, I'm not playing today, I'm not going to fight with him about it. And I think that's key for him is to let himself take those rest days and he doesn't have to prove to himself anymore that he can play all 162 games because it's not a possibility anymore. And I think for him to realize that he will be at his best if he gets the amount of rest days that he needs, that will be a big game changer for him. Well, yeah, he's old. He needs those days. Absolutely. And I think he's finally realized it. I mean, he cut the cake out of his diet. We're all happy for him. Like he's finally realized that he's aging and that he needs to take certain precautions uh, so that he can stay on the field as much as possible. That's good. I mean, because who do we have in the outfield that could step in for Kane if he goes down with an injury? Up to his defensive par, there's... Well, not that, but I'm just talking about in general. Like, because obviously when a starter goes down, you lose a little bit no matter what. But there, yeah. I, there's nobody that comes to my mind that can just step in for Kane. Yeah, I mean, you have options. Like, I mean, obviously moving Christian Yelich to center field um, is a decent option just for his speed. And then, you know, you have Ben Gamble. And you have guys, but definitely not up to what he has produced in the last couple of seasons. Do you see any minor leaguers getting a shot like a Corey Ray or a Tyrone Taylor? Could you see those guys coming back up into the mix? Um, I think... I mean, obviously these things all work themselves out, but if there is a need, I think Corey Wright will probably be uh, the first guy up in the minor leagues to come up. Um, however, I'm not – people are going to yell at me for this, but I'm not very high on him. I, I We need to have an episode talking about the prospects one day because I'm not high on just about anybody. <laughs> yeah. I'm high, I, on, I'm high on Bryce Terang just because yeah. he's the only player that gets any attention from anybody else that says he can be a little bit solid yeah I'm high on all the players that nobody else is high on and yeah I I'm not very high on Corey Ray but I think he is probably first up um if you're talking about an injury or something where we'd have to pull somebody up real quick give me a player you're really high on uh Luis Urias uh different one oh yeah I don't I don't I, yeah I don't like that one give me a different one <laughs> The prospect that I'm high on that not a lot of people know about. Oh, a about. prospect? Yeah, we'll go there. Oh, okay, you go. Okay, I, I want to talk about Clayton Andrews. Hey, that's a good one. So he's like me. He's 5'6", which I already got love for him there. He's a pitcher, but he's also an outfielder, and he's a pretty good hitter at the plate. He gets on base a ton. He's basically like the great value version of Shohei Otani. The great value version. Yeah, he's like our Shohei Otani, but he's definitely not as good. But he has the opportunity to be a relief pitcher in the league and be a platoon outfielder. 
No, I love, I'm, I'm very high on him as well. And not a lot of people talk about him, which makes me kind of angry. Well, he doesn't project um, to be anything more than a, you know, a lefty specialist or a platoon outfielder, but sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. And like, and again, you look at how the Brewers play baseball and those lefty specialists are so important to us. So it's like, it's like, yeah, like he could be something for the Brewers one day, maybe not for a team like the Yankees or Red Sox who can get anything they want because they have millions. But no, I like him a lot. So who's your guy? There's so many. Like, I love Ethan Small, love Bryce Trang. Um, I really like Peyton Henry. I think he is probably, like, his numbers aren't fantastic for sure. They definitely don't jump off the page. But I think he is one of the first catchers that we're bringing through our system that really has a chance to be... When it, comes major to, league player. when it comes to catchers, I'm a little bit bigger on Feliciano. Okay. I mean, I, mean yeah. I think you're pulling at straws with those two. I think it's great that we have two catchers in the system that could be MLB players. Yeah, and that's the key. Like we I don't I don't remember the last time we've developed a catcher who has been really good. <laughs> Luke Roy, did we develop him? No, like I think, did he, was we? A, I think he was a trade. Yeah, I feel like he was. I feel like we may have gotten him in the minors. I don't remember. That was probably before my time. I'm too young for this. That was before I started paying attention to minor league baseball. Yeah, that's that's too old for me. We'll figure that out. So real quick, we don't have much time left, but who's one player that can surprise people this year and who's one player that will perform below expectations? I'm going to give the surprise to – are we just sticking to, like, fielders or can we go to pitchers? Uh, do whoever you want. Ooh. Oh, there's so many options, so many options. Um, I'll give it to either Luis Urias or um, Eric Lauer to surprise people. I'm really high on those two, especially Luis Urias. Um, I really like how he gets on base. He has very good eye at the plate. He probably watches too many strikes uh, go down the plate, so I really like him. And then a guy to regress, Oof, I don't know. Come back to me. You go. All right. So my surprise, I don't know if he's really a surprise because he has been an all-star, but it is of ACL Garcia. I'm super high on him. I think if we do play in Miller Park, he's a guy that can hit 30 home runs and bat 290 and be an everyday player. So he's a guy that I think he'll be that guy that not a lot of people know much about, but he's going to impress people. And then, I would agree. My regress is I see a regression out of Ryan Braun just based on age. God, you hate. You hate so much. I, I just – one of these years he's going to fall off, and I'm going to say it before every year, so eventually I'm right. Okay, you can't – like he's, he's probably going to retire after this year, so it's a very sensitive season for me. You're going to have to cut me some slack. This may be uh, no, his last gonna, season. He's going to play until he's hitting 210 and he has to be forced out of the lineup. No, they have a mutual option for next year to be determined. I don't know. I don't know a player to regress. I don't like putting that on players just because I think people can surprise you and you really don't know. Yeah, they can Christian surprise Yelich. you. They can surprise you in a bad way. Technically, if Yelich hits like 310 with 35 homers, <laughs> he's going to regress. He's so. going to regress. He's going to finish like third in MVP voting. That's a regression. Oh, no. How could we ever let that one happen? Well, that's all we got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed listening to our lineup episode to give you a little bit of hope that maybe baseball returns soon. Uh, Ryan, you have any last thoughts? Uh, just follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. We're trying to build a following there. 
subscribe to the podcast and stay safe. Yeah, do all the things as always. Stay safe, guys. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye.